Okay, uh, 2 Timothy chapter number 1, and then we're going to turn over to chapter number 4. So 2 Timothy chapter 1, first of all, and uh, then we'll, we'll go to chapter 4. So chapter 7 verse, sorry, chapter 1 verse 7 says this, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Verse 9 says this, Who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. Watch this, the latter part of verse 9, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. So salvation was not an afterthought with God. It was His eternal plan. All right, so the plan of salvation, uh, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, verse number 10, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. All right, so Paul says this is the eternal plan of God and it is now made manifest by the appearing. Everybody see that word appearing of Jesus Christ, our, sa our Savior, Jesus Christ, the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's obvious that in this verse in particular, he is speaking of his first coming, his first appearing, because he's talking about who uh, hath abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. All right, so there's that reference. Now take your Bible and turn to chapter 4 and verse number 1. <clears throat> his appearing is emphasized in chapter 1, Paul writing to this young Timothy, he's trying to encourage. And then in chapter four and verse one, he says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead, notice this, at his what? Appearing. There it is again, same word. At his appearing and his kingdom. All right, so chapter one, it's about his first coming. Chapter 4, it's about his second coming. We live between the two. Now, we mentioned that this morning, but a lot of you were elsewhere. Um, but we live between those two appearings of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. Um, well, let's just read verse 2. And we may not read all these interval verses, but enough to get the idea. Look at verse 2. He says to Timothy, since you have the word, that goes all the way back to chapter 3 living in perilous times, but we have the word of God. He says this, then preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Verse three, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust, they shall, shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching Ears. In other words, they'll find somebody that'll tell them what they want to hear rather than what they need to hear. All right. And they shall turn away 
their ears from the truth and be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof thy ministry. All right, and then verse number eight, he says, henceforth there is laid up for me. He talks about how that he's finished the, his, his part of the race and now Timothy is to keep going. He says, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his what? Appearing. Do you see it? He'll give it to them, all them that love his appearing. All right, so tonight we're just going to consider that loving the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Loving his appearing. I hope it'll be a challenge to you. I hope it'll be a good reminder, uh, maybe even a rebuke tonight that we need to be in love with him and thus we'll love his appearing. Okay, loving his Appearing. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Like maybe many of you, I was in um, this part of my Bible reading. And as I'm reading through 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, we'll look at a few of these verses here in just a moment, by the way. But um, the word appearing just stood out to me. Now, now, it's not like it's used like a whole lot. In fact, the noun is used six times. This noun, this particular noun, is used only six times in the New Testament. The verb to appear, this particular verb, is used four times. And so it's not like it's used like a, a lot, but it, it was one of those times, you know, when you're reading your Bible, you say, huh, there it is again. You know what I'm talking about? It just kind of jumps out at you. You probably read it a hundred times, no doubt, before, but there it is again, his appearing, his appearing, his appearing, his appearing. Well, it got me excited about his appearing. Um, the, the verb literally means like to, to bring to light, to bring to light. Okay. Um, the verb is also used. Let me, let me just mention this in Luke 1, 79, uh, to give light to them that sit in darkness. That's, that's the word, to, to give light to them. Okay. Uh, it's also used in Acts 27 when Paul and the others were in the voyage to Rome and, and the Bible says that neither sun nor stars appeared, you know, for, for many days. You remember that? That's the, that's the verb. It, they had, in other words, they hadn't seen sun or moon um, or the stars. It, the, it was such a storm that they weren't visible. The sun and the moon and the stars, they weren't visible to them. No small tempest lay on us, Paul said. Uh, it's also used in Titus chapter 2 and verse 11 when it says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. There it is again. It's the grace of God has appeared. Thank God for that. We can be saved because the grace of God has appeared to all men. It's used about the kindness and love of God in Titus chapter 3 and verse number 4. Uh, of our Savior toward man appeared, all right? But here, um, it's talking about Jesus and his appearance on the earth, all right? So, in fact, you, you heard the word epiphany? Epiphany, that's the word we get. That's our, our English word transliterated from Greek is epiphany, all right? Epiphany, which means a visible manifestation, uh, the coming of deity to the earth, which we know there's only one God, 
And, and, um, and so, but that's the word epiphany, an appearance. Uh, it's used this way or defined this way, an illustrious return or, or, or uh, appearance on the earth. Uh, just real quick, let me just show you a few of these verses, okay? So look at 2 Thessalonians, if you would. 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 8. Can we do this just real quick? We don't normally do this. We don't do a lot of turning in our Bibles to different places. But I want you to see this uh, about the second coming. In verse number 8 of chapter 2, it says, and it's talking about the Antichrist. And when that wicked be revealed, and then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume, watch this, with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. The word coming is the word that we're looking at. The brightness of his coming. All right. Okay. First uh, Timothy, turn over to first Timothy. First Timothy chapter six. Paul charges Timothy in his first letter, and he says this in chapter 6 and verse number 13. Chapter 6 and verse 13, the word is going to show up in verse 14, but I want you to see verse 13 just right quick here. First Timothy chapter 6 and verse number 13, I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickeneth all things, and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now I'm telling you, Paul was looking forward to that. The appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's basically telling Timothy this, Timothy, be faithful. Be faithful because Jesus is coming again. Be faithful unto the appearing, okay? Uh, Titus chapter two and verse 13, turn over there. Titus chapter two, we'll be back in 2 Timothy here in just a moment. Titus chapter two, uh, if you're looking for a verse that not only highlights the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but also highlights his deity, Titus 2.13. Titus 2.13 is a powerful verse. All right. Everybody looking at it? Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing. There it is again. The glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So um, who's appearing? The great God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm telling you, just right there, it's very plain that he's referring to Jesus as a Savior and he's referring to Jesus as the great God. Everybody see that? It's the self-same one, the Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious appearing of our Savior, or the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. All right, now go back to 2 Timothy. And we've already pointed out that chapter one is about his first coming. And I realize it's Christmas time and we're thinking about his first coming, but I don't think it'll hurt us to think about his second coming as well. All right, because we're living between the two. All right, so 2 Timothy chapter one, and he's talking about... Um, the gospel in verse number nine and, and then the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So Paul later on in chapter four is saying, hey, we, he gives us reward to all that love his appearing, which implies really every one of us as believers ought to love his appearing. You know why you ought to love his appearing? 
because he's the one appearing. <laughs> um, so when our, our son, when Tyler was, was uh, you know, coming out of basic training and also the time in San Antonio and he's coming home and uh, we're at the airport, you know, when we found out what day, you know, that, now it's, it's, it's the military and they don't work on your schedule. Is that right? They don't work on your schedule. So that date kind of fluctuated, you know, uh, I was beginning to think it's kind of like the day when the Lord returns that no man knoweth it, you know. So anyways, uh, Tyler was scheduled to come home on this day. Well, we're excited about it. He had his ticket and we knew, he we knew that he was going to be coming. You know what we didn't do? We didn't say, hey, well, man, but why don't you just get Uber or something and just make it to the house, right? I mean, we hadn't seen him, you know, in, in months and, and we, we didn't say, you know, you got your rucksack, you've been doing a lot of rucking, you know, and hiking, you got your boots, great. The airport, I don't know, maybe it's seven miles, you've rucked over that, so come on home. No, my friend, listen, we were looking forward to his coming, complete with signs. And, and uh, um, excitement. Why? Oh, because the plane came. No, it wasn't the plane. It was our son. Paul says, I love his appearing. I'm looking forward to his appearing. What we need to do is be in such love with the Savior that we look forward to his return. I remember um, Brother Gene Staten's brother, I think it's George. I may, I may have one of the brothers mixed up. It is George. Uh, George was the first to tell me about a man named Mel Fisher. Mel Fisher is, was a treasure hunter that for 16 years looked for the Atoka. The Atoka, and actually found it off the coast of Florida. But listen to this. Every single day for 16 years, the man and his family looked for the Atoka. Now, here's what you need to do. Go look up and see how much it was worth. Unreal. I don't have all those stats and figures with me, but here's, here's the thing that actually that I was getting to. George Staten was the one that told me, he had this saying, if I've got it, if I'm remembering it right, here's what his saying, here it is, today's the day. Today's the day. Today's the day. Today's the day. For 16 years, the man said, today's the day. Today's the day. <laughs> I'm looking for it again. Today's the day. <laughs> well, hey, listen, here's what we're looking for. The coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And truly, today could be the day. We, we need to be mindful of that and not, not bored with the thought. In fact, we need to get reignited with the fact he could come today. Today's the day. Today's the day. Today's the day. I mean, I'm, it's something that we ought to look forward to. Today's the day. If he looked forward, if this man looked forward to that, trying to find that uh, treasure, and I'm, I'm glad he finally found it. I don't know how you feel about it. I just feel good about the guy, but, but he finally found it. But for 16 years, he was saying, today's the day. Where's the zeal of believers today to say, today could be the day that Jesus comes again. That's what we need, I think, a revival in because there was a time, according to even like the Word of God here, where Paul was saying, listen, Timothy, you got to be faithful because he could be coming this, uh, today. His, unto his appearing, his appearing, his appearing. I mean, there's an emphasis throughout the Word of God on his appearing. Would you listen to this? I, I, didn't, I didn't do this study. I didn't do this research. But a man named George Sweeting, I think is how you say his last name, he said this, more than a fourth of the Bible is predictive prophecy. More than a fourth of the Bible is about, about the future. Approximately one 
third of that has been fulfilled. That means two thirds of it is still yet to be fulfilled. He went on to say this, both the Old and New Testament are full of promises about the return of Jesus Christ. Over 1,800 references in the Old Testament to his second coming and events surrounding or connected to his second coming. Seven, is everybody listening to this? 17 Old Testament books talk about his second coming. Of the 260 chapters in the New Testament, there are over 300 references to the Lord's second return or to his return. One out of every 30 verses is about Jesus coming again. One out of every 30 verses is about Jesus coming again. 23 out of 27 books of the New Testament talk about Jesus coming again. And the four that don't are some of the short epistles that just kind of are dealing with some specific things. <laughs> some finally spit that out. <laughs> Galatians hints at it, but doesn't specifically mention that. But, but Paul was dealing with quite a few things in Galatians. I'm just simply saying, this is something that believers ought to be mindful of. That he's coming again. And I'm not overlooking the fact and importance of his first coming because we wouldn't know the salvation from sin if we didn't love his first appearing. So we ought to love his appearing. We ought to love his first appearing and we ought to love his second appearing. Gee, I've got some quotes. Hang on just a minute. I'm not going to bore you with quotes because it's about Jesus coming again. And if you get bored with quotes about him coming again, then... Anyways, I realize that somebody reading quotes is, can be a struggle. But listen to this. G. Campbell Morgan said this. To me, the second coming is the perpetual light on the path which makes the present bearable. He says, I never lay my head on the pillow without thinking that perhaps before the morning breaks, the final morning may have dawned. I go to bed thinking he might come again. And then he said this, I never begin my work without thinking. He may interrupt my work and begin his own. This is now his word to all believing souls, believing souls, till I come. He says, occupy till I come. We are not looking for death. We are looking for him. Spurgeon. I don't know all of what Spurgeon believed about in times, but he, listen to what he said right here. He said, apart from the second coming of our Lord, the world is more likely to sink into pandemonium than it is to rise into millennium. You know what he's saying right there? Man's not going to bring peace to the earth. It's only going to be Jesus that brings it again. A.W. Tozer. A.W. Tozer lived from 1897 to 1963. And he said this, so for many, there are, there's no emotional yearning for the returning of Jesus. There's no emotional return, uh, longing for him to come. The best hope they know is a kind of intellectual or theological hope. But an intellectual... I'm sorry, an intellectual knowledge of what the New Testament teaches about the return of Jesus Christ is surely a poor substitute for a love and flame desire to look on his face. What he's saying right there is this, we ought not just be uh, involved in talking about the theological side of this, the eschatological side of this. We ought to remember this. We're looking for him to come again. 
He said this as well. It's safe to say that the pleasurable anticipation of better things to come has almost died out among believers. It's a great temptation to take the shallow view that we don't need any heaven promise for tomorrow because we're so situated right here and now. He said this, hang on, everybody's still following along with me right here just a minute. He says, when I find any Christian who can live and work and serve here and snuggle down into the world like a hand fits into an old glove, I worry about him. I worry about her. If a believer is so, uh, so satisfied just living in this world, I'm concerned about him. And then he goes on, brother, we are still living in a wicked and adulterous generation. I must confess that Christians I meet who are really amount to anything for the Savior were out of, out of step and out of tune with their generation in this world. He says uh, a reason that uh, another reason for the absence of any real yearning for Christ's return is that Christians are so comfortable in this world that they have little desire to leave it. He says uh, now. Remember, he wrote this before 1963. He said, for those leaders who set the pace of religion and determine its content and quality, Christianity has become of late remarkably lucrative. The streets of gold do not have to have great appeal for those who find it easy to pile up gold and silver right here. Uh, he goes on, in these times, religion has become jolly good fun right here in the present world. And what's the hurry about heaven anyway? Christianity, contrary to what some had thought, is another higher form of entertainment. Christ has done all the suffering. He shed all the tears. He carried all the crosses. We are left just to enjoy it. Oh, mercy, friends, we need to wake up and realize that, that listen, this is not about our pleasure and enjoyment and entertainment in fact, he said this history reveals that the time of suffering by believers has been a time of looking up. And he says that tribulation has sobered God's people and encouraged them to look and learn, yearn for the return of our Lord. Our present preoccupation with this world may be a warning of bitter days ahead. God will wean us from the earth some way, the easy way if possible, the hard way if necessary. Wow. All that to say, Paul and others have, lo have loved and looked forward to his appearing. Why love his appearing? Well, we've already talked about uh, his first appearing and why we should love it. it. Basically this, his appearing saves you from sin. His first appearing saves you from sin. What, what that means is basically this, hey, we can be forgiven of our sin. Because of his first appearing and why we ought to love his first appearing is because he came to save us from our sin. And, and that means this, we don't have to be dominated by sin anymore. Thank God that when you're saved, he changes you. Brother Ted, this morning in the, in the study of Jude, he was dealing with Sodom and Sodomites and, and, uh, and the fornicators and the adulterers and the homosexuals and, and posed the question, can a homosexual be saved? Well, Paul said they could. Paul said, such were some of you. By the way, if God was okay with it, why would he have saved them out of it? If God had made them that way, why would he save them from that way? No, listen, friend, God's not okay with it. He doesn't make anybody that way. Listen, it is a sin just like fornication is a sin and adultery is a sin. And they need to be saved out of that. And listen, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Amen. 
and can save someone that struggles in that area, just like others that struggle in other areas. Hey, listen, we ought to love his appearing, friend, because his appearing and the fact that he abolished death. Did you see that in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1? He abolished this, that mean, death. That means this. He had power over death. He, he obliterated it. He showed his power over sin and death by the cross and his resurrection. That means this, you don't have to be dominated by sin. And so we ought to love his first appearing because it saves us from sin. We ought to love his second appearing because it delivers us even from this, from sinners. What I mean by that is this, in 2 Timothy, when you study it out, you see in chapter number one that, that there was a discouraging situation that had happened with some, even that were once named among them and that had departed and left the faith. That's discouraging. Chapter two, Paul indicated to Timothy that it wasn't gonna be easy to serve the Lord. He said, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And listen, friend, when you, when you live for God, it's not gonna be easy. Um, just heard a preacher recently talking about the three Hebrew young men that were cast into the fiery furnace, you know, because of their faith and that they wouldn't bow. And the Bible says, of course, that they came out and they didn't even smell like smoke. You remember that? They didn't even smell like smoke. In other words, um, it was in their past. He said, now some believers go through some hard times and we don't hear the last of it. He said, you ought to come through that trial and not smell like smoke. In other words, don't, don't just dwell on the difficult times that you went through. Move on. They didn't smell like smoke. Move forward. But we're going to endure some hardness. No doubt about it. Chapter three, perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of their own selves and, and, and we're living in a wicked world. Well, thank God his appearing delivers us out of that world. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, the, the Word of God is telling us that there's going to come a time when people don't want to be a part of a Bible preaching church because they want people to tell them something that's easier to listen to and, and not so doctrinal or not so confrontational or, or, or not so pointed that way. But just, just tell me I'm doing pretty good. Or tell me some sensational happening something that will amaze me. Here's what Paul said to do. Reprove and rebuke and exhort. Reprove and rebuke and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine and, and just be faithful to preach the word of God and help people with the word of God. And, and, and I, I've been able, by the grace of God, Paul is saying to do that. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. And he talks about how that the time of his departure is at hand. Hey, Paul, no doubt, Paul didn't lose hope that Jesus could come again, but he was also facing reality that he would soon be be martyred for the faith and, and at the hands of Nero and Rome. And, and so he understood that it's going to be soon that he's going to go out from this world, but he has a crown of righteousness for all those that love his appearing. Why? Because his first appearing saves us from sin. His second appearance appearing saves us out of this world of sin and sinners and we're forever with him. We ought to thank God for that. Not that we're better than anybody else. In fact, in the meantime, while we live between these two comings, here's what we ought to do. The work of the ministry. Loving people. Caring about sinners. Such a blessing to have a, a young couple here today that some, uh, one of the students had helped them uh, with the car tire. And they said, you know, we came because that uh, young man cared about us and was here in the services today. And so it was a blessing to watch other people around them just kind of love on them. Hey, that's, we got to keep doing that. 
You could tell that they didn't feel real comfortable being here. You know, people come and they don't feel real comfortable. They, they uh, in fact, uh, they were dropping their kids off and said to them when they dropped their kids off, they looked at first with all the kids that were there and they said, uh-uh, I ain't going in there. You ever see kids do that? So they brought them here in the Sunday school hour momentarily until that didn't go so swell. And then they took them back to class and they did all right. He said this, he said, you know, I understand how a kid can be that way because I can walk in here and kind of feel overwhelmed all at one time too. We got to love people. Genuinely love them. Help them. Help them get over some of their um, qualms about being here. Why? Because there's a Savior who came for them and died on the cross and abolished death and would save them from whatever sin has been terrorizing their life. He can save them from whatever life they've been living. Thank His holy name. We had a love His appearing because it makes a difference in sinners' lives. And keep working bus routes. I woke up this morning and prayed, oh God, please help the buses start. Thank God for Brother Kevin. Thank God for all the bus uh, drivers that get up early and get up started early on a day like this when it's like 21 degrees and, and, and just uh, and by the time maybe that first hour is pretty rough on bus workers. Is it right? The first hour is still, still kind of warming up, but then it gets too hot, right? Is that kind of how it is? And, but hey, we got to run, run buses regardless if it's real hot or real cold. Why? Because he's coming again. We got to run buses because he came. Are you following this? We got to run buses because he came. We got to run buses because he's coming again. We got to work classes and, and, and visit people and care about the loss. Why? Because he's coming again. Not just sing about his coming. It's one thing to sing about the national anthem. It's another thing for somebody to engage in battle that's in the military. You follow me? We ought not just sing about his coming, but let's engage in the battle and trying to help others. And then I like this. One individual said that while he was in school studying um, arithmetic, just sounds painful, doesn't it? <laughs> studying arithmetic, he said that uh, the answers were in the back. Now, I'm sure the teacher told them, now, don't look at the back, you know. Huh? <laughs> don't look at the back. but the, <laughs> You got to try to work it on your own, right? But then you could check the answers in the back. He said this. A lot of times in life, I get it wrong, but I keep trying. But I know this, the answers are in the back. That's not the concordance. I'm talking about the book of Revelation. <laughs> and in the back, it says Jesus is coming again. In fact, it says Jesus is coming again throughout the whole word of God. But in the back, I get what he's saying. He's saying this, as bad as it may get in this old wicked world of sin, he wins. He sets up his kingdom. We rule and reign with him. Don't despair. Don't lose hope. Just look in the back. He's coming again. He's coming again. Love his appearing. The word love means this affection. It means this esteem. Esteem is coming. Esteem him and your love is appearing. What do you esteem? What do you set your affection on? I believe we need to get it back to some of that mentality that Paul had and others had that they basically were saying it could be today. I look forward to him coming. It could be today. When's the last time you thought about his coming? I just, I hope this has been a good reminder to you. He's coming again, friend. He's coming again. That's not myth. That's not legend. That's not hopeful and wishful thinking. That is Bible thinking. He is literally coming again. And in the meantime, let's be busy doing what he gave us to do. And remain hopeful. The answers are in the back of the book. He wins. He's coming again. Let's love his appearing. Let's stand together here tonight. Dear Lord, I pray you'd help us to love your appearing even more. 
I confess tonight it's easy to go through the day and not even think about the fact of your coming. Oh God, I pray that you would help us to remember fresh and anew that you're coming again and that our time on this earth is limited. Lord, we would, um, we would love it if you would come in our, in our lifetime. It would be a wonderful thing. But if you should tarry your coming, I pray that you'd help us to be diligent and faithful to the very end. Dear Lord, of our lives individually, but Lord, we, we just are praying with John, even so, come Lord Jesus. I wanna thank you tonight for your first coming. I wanna thank you that it was prophesied and fulfilled. I wanna thank you for the way that it was celebrated at the time of your coming. I wanna thank you for the opportunity to celebrate that coming here at this season. But God, I also have been reminded just in Bible reading and in study that we are to love your appearing and we're to look forward to it with great anticipation. And it gives us hope and it even changes us, Lord, as John said in, in your word, dear Lord, and how that um, we have this hope in us and it purifies us. And so I pray, dear God, that, that Lord, you would use it to encourage. Lord, maybe there's someone discouraged or or going through a very difficult time or have a loved one. Lord, I thank you for the hope of the believer, the blessed hope that Lord, um, we live temporarily here and it's not the end and it's, it's not what all life is to be about, dear God. I thank you that you give us these reminders throughout your word, not to set our affections here on this earth, but to set them on things above, to set them on our savior. I pray that you'd help us to love him more, Lord, lest we should be like the church in Ephesus that was busy but not, sir, not loving you. Lord God, I pray you'd help us not to lose or leave rather our first love. I pray that we would come to know our Savior even more. In Jesus' name, amen. As we're standing here uh, tonight and prepared for the invitation, um, we're singing page 503. If God spoke to your heart and you ought to come, then would you join these that have? and uh, come here and pray and spend some time with the Lord uh, in a time of prayer, just seeking the Lord and being renewed by Him. As Brother Ted leads us, would you come?